weighing machine was created to help you, the financial advisor or investor, reach your long-term financial goals. Each episode, your hosts, Rusty Vanneman and I, Robin Murray, cut through the market clamor to find the time-tested principles that help investors succeed. The weighing machine is inspired by the classic investing saying attributed to Benjamin Graham. The stock market is a voting machine in the short term and a weighing machine over the long run. In other words, emotion and expectations drive short-term market movement, but fundamentals and valuations determine returns over time. Welcome to The Weighing Machine. Enjoy, and as always, let us know what you think. On the podcast today, what are we doing here? Why did we start this podcast and why do we ask these questions? Well... Our guest today canceled, or I should say they postponed. So on this special Thanksgiving edition, we're going to take a step back and ask some of our favorite questions to ourselves. And we're also going to do this with our replacement guests, last minute fill in an investment research analyst at Orion Portfolio Solutions, Ben Vasky. Welcome to The Wang Machine. I'm Rusty Vanneman. And I'm Robin Murray. Okay, let's start this special episode as we always do with a look at the markets. What are we watching for at the moment? Well, we are having a great quarter as of this recording and a great year. So the year-to-date number as of this recording for the stock market is up about 25%. The average stock is up about 30%. Uh, Other asset classes, such as like commodities, are up even more, like 32%. Over the last year, the market is up 35%. The average stock is up nearly 50%. Commodities are up 40%. It's really been a great time to be an investor in diversified portfolios. And I think what we're watching for is a strong close into the year. All right. Well, President Biden signed a $1 trillion infrastructure bill into law this week, middle of November here. And do you remember when a billion dollars was a lot of money? I feel like $1 trillion. We're just just, uh, cruising past the trillion dollar mark. So this is going to pump money into city and state economies. It's a massive investment, of course, in renewable energy, transportation, broadband, electric vehicles, several other areas. So what are the impacts on the market? Should investors be jumping into these areas of the markets? A trillion dollars is a lot of money. (laughs) You know, generally speaking, when we get big news events have been sort of well advertised, kind of the general guidance for investors is that it's probably been priced in. So There's probably no reason to do anything rash. I do think that this is positive news. I do think it's a positive for the economy long term, particularly given the money is being uh, spent on infrastructure. So long term investors, I think this is positive news. A trillion dollars, again, in terms of context of the overall economy, again, uh, the GDP for the United States now is approximately 23 trillion. So, you know, adding another 4% in is obviously a plus. So I do want to talk about a recent commentary that you wrote, which uh, mentioned five factors currently driving market returns. Let's run through them, uh, if we can, one by one here. The first you said was earnings. Earnings have been great. We're just finishing up the third quarter earnings season. The numbers were outstanding year over year and above expectations. And there's an expression called beat rates. And that is usually, that is when the actual numbers come in relative to expectations. It's usually a game because usually two out of three times you have a positive beat, which means ex- the actual number was better than expectations. The beat rates, again, were, were again outstanding, well above the historical averages. Again, growth year over year was over 40% and a big reason why the stock market is up so much this year. All right. And how about interest rates? Well, I think the uh, other reason why the stock market is up is not only have earnings been outstanding, but interest rates are really low. 
And I know that interest rates are up a lot over the lows from last year, but in a historical context, they're just extremely low. And that is really supportive of the stock market. That said, it is uh, we do need to watch the interest rate market a little bit because obviously inflation is a top concern. It's looking more and more like it's a bit more persistent than transitory, as many thought before. Uh, that should typically have an impact on interest rates. So that is something to watch. One other thing about interest rates to watch, of course, are is the expression called credit spreads. That is the difference in yields between corporate bonds and treasury bonds. If those spreads start to widen out, which means that corporate bonds start to underperform treasury bonds, that has typically been kind of a yellow light for the stock market. At least it has been over the last 20 years. At this point, uh, credit spreads are very well behaved. So the interest rate environment in the grand scheme of things is also very supportive of the stock market. And the third factor that you mentioned was valuations. Valuations for the U.S. stock market are unequivocally um, high by historical measures. Basically, the big takeaways from that are, uh, first of all, expectations moving forward should be really for below average returns for the overall U.S. market. However, it, because interest rates are so low, if you adjust interest rates, I mean, if you adjust valuations by interest rates, they're quite frankly reasonable. And again, it makes sense the stock market is doing so well. So if interest rates rise, uh, that again will, uh, given how high valuations are, that could suggest um, lower valuations moving forward. It should be noted that even when the market is expensive, it still tends to generate positive returns. And there's still sort of this overwhelmingly strong tendency for gains moving forward. So even if valuations are high, and obviously we've seen that in recent years. So another thing about valuations though, is when I talk about valuations, I'm really talking about the overall US stock market. If you look at other parts of the kind of the global equity markets, and that includes international markets, particularly emerging markets, and you look at other parts of even the U.S. stock market, including smaller companies and more value-oriented sectors, those valuations are much more reasonable. All in all, it's just an argument to be well-diversified. Well, the fourth one you had there was liquidity. In short, liquidity has been the, has been the best backdrop for the economy and the market since World War II. Kind of the combination of both fiscal and monetary support has been really unprecedented in most of our investing lifetimes. In addition to that, personal income, partly because of some of that support, has been also very impressive. There's just a lot of money out there. And that, again, is very supportive of the economy and the markets. Probably the only caveat to that is we may have seen peak liquidity, which means that even in absolute sense, we're still going to see good fiscal support, good monetary support, strong personal income, at least in terms of absolute levels. But the trends of those will start to move lower. And that means it might be a little bit of a headwind for the market moving forward. All right. Well, the final one that you mentioned was technicals. And before you talk about that, just remind us what technical analysis refers to. Yeah. Technical analysis is kind of the broad term is instead of looking at the fundamentals of how companies, what their business models are and how they make money, you're really looking at price action. You're looking at the prices and you're looking at other market statistics to really kind of determine you know, how the markets may move forward. It's also a risk management tool. And actually, I think it's, it's a decent risk management tool in this current environment as well. I just talked about all the positives, but how some of those positives could turn negative. Technicals will probably give us some of those indications. At present, I don't think they are. And I think there's a lot of positive technicals in place. Again, momentum is strong, and that is a plus. An expression called breadth, which means that a lot of different stocks are, are contributing to gains. That is impressive. That's also a positive for the market as well. Seasonals, there is a seasonal pattern to the stock market. That is positive right now. 
And sentiment, while sentiment has uh, starting to get a little more positive and more bullish, it was negative at the end of the third quarter, and that was a plus. So I think you added up the technical condition, the market is strong. And once that starts to deteriorate, I think that, that really the outlook is bright for the stock market. Well, we do have a slightly different episode, as you mentioned, planned today, as our original guest postponed. So instead, we're bringing in an OPS guest for our big picture step back on the podcast and some of our favorite questions should be kind of fun. So let's welcome our guest. Ben Vasky is Investment Research Analyst at Orion Portfolio Solutions. Ben, welcome to The Weighing Machine. It's good to be here. All right. So our traditional opening question is, of course, the walk-up song. So first things first, let's add yours to this playlist, which is getting impressively long and eclectic. Ben, what's your walk-up song? Now, I, I must say, being, being a fan of the Weighing Machine podcast and working with Rusty, I did know this question was coming well in advance. So, and by the way, he hasn't, he hasn't told me what it is yet. So this is going to be new to me too. <laughs> I did decide to go with a, a popular artist of these walk-up songs with Tom Petty, but picked a, a new song to the list uh, in Learning to Fly. The reason for that is there's so much to learn in our industry. It's ever-changing. We can, we can ride these highs, of course. But a big point of the song is that it's very hard to come down. So being able to manage those times when you're coming down and work hard and persevere. That's a pretty cool selection. So this playlist is really getting pretty cool. Rusty, do you know how many songs we have on there? And what are some of the really good ones? Let's see. So the playlist is almost three hours long now. <laughs> and it is interesting that, that, that Ben picked Tom Petty because that's our most popular artist. In fact, there's a Tom Petty song that's the, been the only repeat of all the walk-up songs. Ben, you might have to correct me, was I Won't Back Down? Was that it? Correct. Yeah, yeah. So that's the only one that's been picked twice. So it's been very popular. But gosh, what am I, what are my thoughts about it? I mean, obviously you got some of the standard fire up songs. Some songs are really thoughtful. Some songs are shocking. Uh, it's a very eclectic list. You know, I think it, it's pretty cool how it captures a lot of personalities. Kind of another curveball is we've only had a couple of country songs and they're both from big city folk, which I think is interesting. <laughs> so yeah, we do have a playlist out there. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. Right. Well, Ben, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started. How did you get into investing and what do you do at Orion? So I'm an Omaha native, studied accounting and finance at the University of Nebraska. Actually, my interest in investing came on a semester when I was out of accounting courses to take. And so I figured I'd try my hand at a few finance courses and immediately fell in love and added the major the next day. So my love really came from some of my more analytical classes, just diving deeper into financial modeling and how really deep this world can get and how analytical it can get. So from there, just wanting to jump off and learn more, started my personal and then eventually professional investing journey. He does so much for us. I just need to point it out. Not only does he work on a lot of research projects and really understanding the strategies and not only how they behave on a standalone basis and how they interact with others, but there's so much content we produce here. It isn't just the weighing machine, of course. There is monthly commentary. There's weekly commentary. We call them the Monday morning bullets that we produce, convert into a blog form. We have a monthly chart pack, which looks at relative valuations going back 20 years. We have a quarterly reference guide, which is kind of a tool for financial advisors. It's like, how many pages is that now, Ben? Nearly 60. And, and Ben is working on all of this stuff, never mind our two different monthly webinars that we always have. And then, of course, the ad hoc webinars and presentations. So, again, just all this content, again, of course, is on OrionPortfolioSolutions.com. You know, there's that little resource section and you go into it. There's something called the Financial Advisor Success Hub. Again, we'll put that in the show notes. But all of that content, I don't know how I would 
get it all done without Ben. So he's huge. I appreciate it. <laughs> now that said, I'm going to turn the tables here. And since you just said you were a fan of the Wang machine, I've never asked you this question before. What are some of your favorites? Well, actually, my two favorite finance podcasts you actually introduced me to. And that first one is Capital Allocators uh, with Ted Saidez and the Med Faber show, of course, I know is, is one of our favorites around here. Off of finance, a big popular one that I like is Stuff You Should Know. It's kind of a grab bag of all kinds of different topics that you may have never known how little you know about it. <laughs> Those are cool. But you know what? I'm really going to put you on the spot though. I want to know your favorite weighing machine podcast. I think I'll take uh, the first one I ever listened to was, I think it was the second episode ever with with Kostya. And I really enjoyed that one because it, it gave me a glimpse into what CLS used to be and, and some of the original thought processes behind a lot of the stuff we do today. So Koshi Edis, of course, is the uh, former director of research here, and he's gone off to, to a bigger and better position somewhere else. Good for him. And he really was a lot of fun because not only did he also always have to drop his movie wisdom on us. <laughs> I miss that. I think he was the only one who ever actually had an F-bomb, actually. <laughs> of course, we bleeped it out. So um, Koshi was and still is a personality. You know, I'll just say that some of my favorites, because... I'm just anticipating that question, of course, that it's really hard for me to pick because uh, even the ones that, you know, when I first do them, I think, I don't know, that's going to work. They actually, I'm, I've been pretty pleased with the products uh, and the shows, but my favorites probably go back to, you know, some of the, I guess the giants of the shoulders that I've stood on myself in terms of kind of informing my views in terms of my investment philosophy. So it'd be like the Rob Arnott's and the Larry Swedros. Jeremy Siegel was pretty big earlier this year too. But then, of course, you know, when I can actually have, you know, friends on who are in the business too that, you know, so like the Dave Lundgrens and the Mike Ashton's and the Skip Schweiss's, I mean, those were all just really fun and a, and a real treat to have. So, Robin, I want to put you on the spot too. Mm -hmm. You've done a whole bunch of these too. What's your favorite or favorites? So, the most interesting part of investing to me is the people aspect and the behavioral finance part of it. So, I'm going to go with our episode with... Uh, Dr. Daniel Crosby. I thought that was really cool and super interesting. And he's just a great speaker. And it was a fascinating conversation. I really enjoyed that one. And when my son listened to the Daniel Crosby one, he says, Dad, I think I'm going to listen to your podcast more often. <laughs> I haven't heard him say that since then, though. Mm. I don't know. I'm going to track Fell him down. off after that one. All right. Well, let's take a step back here for a minute. This podcast has been running now. We worked it out. I think it's about four years. So what are we doing here? Why are we doing this, Rusty? Well, let's see the, I guess a couple of things. Well, we call it the weighing machine. There's really a couple of different references to it. It is one is that, as we say in the intro, it's sort of that classic phrase that Warren Buffett and Benjamin Graham have said, really emphasizing investors should have a long-term horizon. And, and really, ultimately, we're trying to help advisors and investors have good experiences, really. Kind of the other reason why we're called it the weighing machine is, you know, Ben just referred to kind of the old investment firm that was, you know, part of Orion was called CLS Investments. And they basically built portfolios around something called risk budgeting, and they used a scale as part of their presentation. So it's kind of a riff on that too. But really the primary audience for this podcast, and a lot of people listen to it and uh, the feedback has been great. The, the number of people listening has been going up consistently, which is great. But but the primary audience really are Orion Portfolio Solutions advisors or just really financial advisors and their clients. And we just kind of feel that everybody else is gravy. So we hope that these podcasts, of course, are educational, that they're fun, 
and that we're make sure we're providing good talking points that advisors really can remember and use in their conversations with investors. So we do have a few questions that we ask a lot on this podcast, and I'd be interested in getting your takes on some of these. First, why do we ask these specifically? I think, um, so some of these questions coming up, I just think they're good refreshers or reminders for for people in the industry. I mean, it's, um, and just kind of get the takes of, of people who they're working with. And I think a lot of them, you know, sometimes the answers probably aren't surprising. Sometimes they are. And I think it's really cool when we kind of get kind of a, kind of a tweak on some of the, the typical responses we get. And it's, it's important to you and I, like we just talked about sort of the behavioral aspect, a lot of the things that are our standard questions, I think almost all of them, but one really are about sort of behavior and people. All right. Well, let's get to them. First one is what makes a good financial advisor? So I know the next three questions coming up and we ask these questions in almost every podcast. And I think I'm just going to kind of boil it down to a word in each case. And so what makes a good financial advisor? Easily, the most common word we've heard is listen. Yeah. They're good listeners. It's a good one. What about investment manager? And again, we've had a lot of really great answers on this. It's probably a project for Ben and I (laughs) to kind of go back and catalog all of them because I think it's pretty cool. But I think, once again, if it's boiled down to one word for an investment manager, it's discipline. That's a good one too. How about investor? When it comes to investor, we've probably had more dispersion in terms of the answers there, but I think the answer to me is it's really a patient investor. Mm. And so he or she is with a longer term horizon. Patience is not easy, particularly when we get bombarded by news and sensational news and scary news. We definitely have a lot of scary news coming our way all the time, but somebody who's patient, I think is ultimately the best investors. Well, talking about that negative news, another question that we ask a lot is, how do investors tune it out? How do you help investors stay invested and stay on plan? I think the, the key to advisors, and uh, we've written about and talked about it, it's really about, there's really kind of two components of it. There's one kind of managing the expectations, and we do that through education. And so you know, a lot of the stuff we even referred to on this podcast, which is a reference guide, there's all this sort of historical precedence why being patient and long-term really pays off in the end. But you know, another thing is, uh, and I think it's kind of the role of the advisors, and we've had this on multiple podcasts too, it's, it isn't just about the rational managing expectations, it's also the emotional side. And it isn't just about managing fear and greed, but it's, um, it's about being positive and encouraging. And we've, we've heard that just on some recent podcasts as well, that there's such a critical element to investors having good um, returns over time. So I like to think this podcast is helping people thinking longer term and, and staying, staying positive. Because again, we think that ultimately results in better investor returns. Another thing that we talk about quite a lot is digital assets. We like to get everybody's take on that since it's just such a new and evolving field. How does the Orion team think about digital assets? You know, as a professional asset allocator, in, I'm always excited by the prospect of new asset classes, something that can generate returns and do it in an uncorrelated manner. In other words, it just behaves differently than the stock and bond markets. And, and so I'm actually really intrigued by digital assets and cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin. And at Orion, we uh, are working on a couple different things. Um, we have a due diligence team that is looking at various 
investment solutions and strategies that could give exposure to it. But probably one of the bigger initiatives that Orion is doing, which I fully applaud, is, is being educational. And not only are we going to be producing a lot of educational material in hopefully the near future on Orion Portfolio Solutions, but Orion is also sponsoring a, um, a credential, a professional credential, which I think it takes like 10 to 15 hours of study. I think, Ben, you're doing it right. I've done it already. I should know the answer. But it's the Digital Asset Credential for Financial Professionals, so the DACFP. It's from uh, Rick Edelman. Uh, it's a great overview. And I think it's an important overview because uh, people are getting a lot of questions. In fact, just moments before I came on the podcast, uh, one of our internal people said, I'm getting like three or four questions a week on crypto right now. And uh, as I think, obviously, everybody getting some education on it is, is an important first step. Well, kind of a new one that we've added to the rotation. And that is, you know, in this profession, there is an obligation to perform at a high level. So what are your wellness practices, Rusty, to ensure that you're performing well? I have a lot of these. That's the reason why I like asking this question. And by the way, I'm going to ask both of you this question too. So get ready. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, I do a lot of stuff. I mean, I, I'm a big believer in the, in the morning routine. You know, it's getting up early and everything you can do in the morning from, you know, reading important stuff to, you know, stretching to family time. In addition to that, I'm, I'm into crazy healthy smoothies. Some of them may not taste very good, but boy, are they healthy. And um, various biohacks. Like, so there's a guy out there named Ben Greenfield. And he puts out a lot of biohacks. I don't do them all, but I definitely try some of them. It's pretty cool. I do think some of them work. Uh, There's an individual named Wim Hof who does all this breathing stuff and all this cold water stuff, like cold showers and ice baths and stuff. I know it sounds crazy, but I think it works. Mm -hmm. So those are like some of the crazy things I do to try to stay healthy. You got some different ones. Everyone else was like, I sleep. I run. (laughs) Rusty's taking ice baths. (laughs) (laughs) And nobody's mentioned that one yet, but I tell you, it works. It really does. So Ben, I'm going to throw it to you. What are some of the things you do? Well, this is uh, something that you and I have discussed before. So I have adopted some of the the healthy green drinks, uh, especially in the afternoon to kind of keep the brain going. Other than that, my my big stress reliever is golfing. So this summer was a big summer for golf. Uh, nice to step away from working and studying and just decompress and hit some golf balls. And then finally, just spending time with my girlfriend and family and, and just really decompressing and getting away is the biggest part for me so I can come back stronger. Okay, Robin, how about yourself? So you might know this about me, Rusty, but I have a problem of taking on too many things at once, which is what I have done right (laughs) now. And then I get, you know, scattered and sort of overwhelmed. So what I try to do is A, not do that when I can. In general, I would say, you know, I do juice. I kind of make it taste pretty good because I get my son to drink it too. So there's a lot of apples and oranges in there as well. I do run, but I run inside my house. So I do it at like 11 o'clock at night, like going around the living room and kitchen. (laughs) But it counts, right? It counts. I do that too, by the way. You do inside your house? I got to get my steps in. And so if I don't have my steps in, I'm watching television. I'm on a treadmill. I'll just walk around the couch. (laughs) I find like doing it at night is the only time that I can really commit to saying, oh, that's time I have every night. So... Otherwise, stuff just gets in the way if I'm trying to do it at different times of the day. But yeah, just trying to balance everything, you know, keep your eye on the big picture. 
work is not as important as family, that kind of thing. It's true. Easier said than done sometimes. Yeah. All right. Well, final question that I have on this list, unless you have others, Rusty, and that is reading and podcast suggestions. What have you got for us? All right. So I did write a couple of things down and I, I am going to turn this question back on each of you as well. I do read a, a couple books a month and um, I still, but I buy more books than that. So reading is actually more of a source of frustration for me because I'm always falling behind. But, and that said, I think one notion, okay, so a couple authors uh, kind of more related to the markets. Let's, I'll keep it a little more market related is we, I mentioned like last year, Morgan Housel is a great financial writer. Uh, his book last year is still a great book idea, I think, for gifting that time of year. Nassim Tlaib is, I think, just a fascinating writer. He's kind of grumpy and cantankerous, but gosh, is he fun to read. And he has a notion which is such a great idea, and I'm really going to try this in the new year, is instead of trying to just conquer all these new books, sometimes you just go back and reread books that have been important in your life. I think that's a, that's a really great tip. In terms of just other books that I just really like, and I, I, another book I like to mention this time of year is one of my favorite economists is somebody named Tyler Cohen, and he's very prolific. And I just don't know how he's able to manage the information he does. But he has a book that he has written several years ago called An Economist Gets Lunch. And it is, it is such a great read. Even if you're, you don't care about economics, he really talks about how to find the best restaurants and find the best grocery stores. And uh, that's one I highly recommend. Podcasts, I listen to a lot. And so I don't necessarily, when I mention some of these names, I don't listen to every one of their episodes, but I do listen to a lot of podcasts. And starting off with the industry, one I can recommend to people in general, if they just want sort of that market update, it's a, probably a little bit too short term for many listeners, but there's a firm called RenMac. And again, we'll have all this in the show notes. RenMac, they do like a 15 minute podcast on Fridays, which is just a nice overview of the economy, the markets, the political background, uh, technical situation. It's really nicely done. Ben mentioned Meb Faber, big fan of his work. Um, there's a podcast called Fill the Gap. Uh, I mentioned my friend Dave Lundgren. He actually is the host of that. Uh, somebody who's a, a fascinating podcast, and I don't listen to all of his stuff, but I listen to a lot of it, is a professor named Scott Galloway, and he does something called The Prof G Show. Probably a lot of people are familiar with him. Uh, he's really entertaining. And then, of course, some of my biohack guys that, you know, I've, the Tim Ferriss of the world, um, he does a lot of different things, uh, but Tim Ferriss, he just did a fascinating podcast on, you know, Web 3.0 and NFTs and it's like almost three hours long, but gosh, there's so much stuff on it. But then the biohack Ben Greenfield is, is somebody else I like too. How about that? Was that enough yet? It's a good list. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hope someone had pen and paper while they were listening to that. Well, good thing we got the show notes, right? Yeah, that's true. All right, Ben, what's, what's on your list? Probably one of my favorite books, kind of something I didn't expect was from one of my business ethics courses in my MBA. And it was a book by Michael Sandel called What Money Can't Buy. The Moral Limits of Markets. Now, with obviously an investment background, it was really interesting to me to see some of the other markets that exist in the world that aren't supposed to be set up as markets. So I'd highly recommend that one. And then I'm a huge fan of Malcolm Cladwell. So anything he does, I'm a fan of. Boy, that first book sounds so fascinating. Is that, is that what you use before you go to sleep? <laughs> I'm just teasing. 
Okay, Robin, in all your free time, you just mentioned you have oodles and oodles of free time. I do. What are you reading and listening to? I have so much free time. I am part of a book club, which is sort of like um, we have one book a month and that's kind of a way to keep myself reading because I have a deadline, right? I want to like finish it before the book club, which is kind of sometimes the only way that I'll do stuff. So there's been some good ones there. One of my favorite books is The Book of Joy, and I, I turn to this book quite a lot. So it's uh, an interview with Desmond Tutu and the Dalai Lama, and there's a guy who travels with them and um, gets them to talk about joy and how you can kind of sustain joy and happiness through struggles, right? Like through everyday struggles. And it's, it's sort of like a guide to, you know, when you're feeling like the world is just overwhelming and overwhelmingly negative and, and things are, you know, you don't know how to like sustain your own happiness and joy when there's so much suffering in the world. That's kind of the, the idea behind it. And they just have some really good tips about how to do that and how to live a life that's in the moment. And I turn to that a lot. I really like that one. I would recommend it. That, you know, I have read it, you know, related to that is, well, I should have said another book that I like, and it's on my reread list is A Guide to the Good Life. Oh, It's really about Stoic philosophy and same sort of concepts mm. what you're talking about. Anyway, I just jumped in on you. Tell me more. Tell me more. Books, podcast. Yeah, podcast. So I used to be a news junkie. Um, that's my background is reporting, but I sort of got overwhelmed a little. I'm using the word overwhelmed a lot. I feel like that's that might be where I am right now. I'm feeling overwhelmed. An overwhelmingly <laughs> use of the word overwhelming. Overwhelmingly use of the word overwhelming. Yeah, I, I got kind of like bummed out, I guess, by the negativity in the news of the last like few years. And I tuned it out a lot. So I'm, I'm kind of turning to something that I'll introduce you to here, Rusty and Ben. It's uh, solutions journalism. It's kind of a cool concept where you're using your same investigative tools as a reporter, but instead of reporting on problems, you're reporting on solutions. And it's kind of a wow. growing thing you'll see in newsrooms around. So look out for that as stories. That's just, you know, how, how a city or a organization or something solved a problem and they'll analyze how they did it and how you might be able to do that where you are or in another city, another company. Um, so it's, it's kind of cool. That is pretty cool. So what are some examples of that? So and I'll put this in the show notes too. There's, the, there's a network in New York, Solutions Journalism Network, and they, they kind of teach how to do this in newsrooms around the country. And then they, you can find like all a list of stories from newsrooms all over on their website where people are doing it. Just think of an example like in Flint when they were having a lot of problems with lead in the water. Solutions journalism story um, was about other communities that had had similar problems and sort of how they had tackled it, right? And they broke it down very analytically. Like I say, they're using the same skills that they have as an investigative reporter, but they're just focusing on how something was solved instead of pointing to how this problem is, you know, happening. They're not like promoting a certain thing. It's not like a PR kind of thing. It's not like fluff or anything like that. It's very analytical, but it's, it's talking about this is how they solved the problem. These are some of the challenges that they had. This is how you could possibly take that solution and put it into a different place. You know, what, what factors you would have to look into. They get a really positive response from their audiences. You know, I think people are burned out on listening to how many problems there are in the world. And it's kind of like, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty cool because you know, as journalists, you want to tell the full story. And so we feel like we need to report on those problems when, we're, when those problems exist. 
But it's kind of like, that's not really the full story if you only report on problems, because there are actually a lot of solutions happening. There's actually a lot of great things happening out there that don't get covered. I like it. Yeah. I'll listen. I'll read it. Yeah. I'll send you some links, Rusty. I'll put some in the show notes. Perfect. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. After that, um, it's been a really great show. Ben, thanks for coming on and thanks for coming on to this sort of special, unique episode. Thanks for having me. I think it has been a pretty special episode. And, you know, we called it a special Thanksgiving episode because I think it's being published around the Thanksgiving week. So, again, we do have a lot to be thankful for, and including here on The Weighing Machine, we've We've had a lot of uh, loyal listeners, which is really cool. We're definitely thankful for that. We've had a lot of great guests. I think we've had a lot of words of wisdom. I also need to thank, of course, our production company. We do have a production company that that edits all of this. They say they have to edit me a lot more than Robin, by the way. Um, they also do the show notes. It's called Reverb Podcasting. And the individuals there are Adam Clark and Ashley Flitter and Judd Mackerel. They do a great job. Thanks for all the support there. And of course, we actually have a PR firm, too, that helps us with a little bit of the social media uh, called Gregory FCA. And so we're thankful for all their efforts, too. And again, thankful for all the listeners. And, and it, it's pretty cool on, you know, virtually every week, somebody like that I haven't talked to before will will mention an episode or something. And it's really gratifying. So I'm definitely thankful for that. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, that is going to do it for this week. Rusty, take us out with your final words. Stay balanced and stay the course. There you go. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening to The Weighing Machine. And thank you for your time and trust in Orion Advisor Solutions. The Weighing Machine is hosted by Rusty Vanneman, Chief Investment Strategist at Orion Advisor Solutions, and me, Robin Murray, freelance writer and editor. If you have feedback or questions about our podcast today, please send us a note at rusty at orion.com. All opinions expressed by Rusty Vanneman and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and don't reflect the opinion of or endorsement by Orion, its affiliate subsidiaries, and its employees. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for legal, tax, and investment decisions. The opinions are based upon information that participants consider reliable.